welcome to Prophecy Girls, a Buffy Rewatch podcast. I'm Kara Babcock. Pronouns, she, her. And I'm Stephanie Chow. Pronouns, she, her. Join us each week as we break down every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. This is a spoiler-free podcast. Whether you're watching for the first time or longtime fans like us, we'll be analyzing every episode, character, and storyline like it's our first time, too. During this rewatch, we'll reminisce about our memories of Buffy, discuss the show's cultural impact, and provide honest commentary from a 21st century lens. Thanks for listening. Now, on to the episode... Episode 3, Same Time, Same Place. Yeah, I mean, that describes us, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, this is a good episode. I enjoyed this episode. You'll see it in my notes later, Kara. I, I got the heebie-jeebies so hard. Oh, yeah, no. So what happened with me was I started watching the episode last night, and I was messaging you, and you're like, yeah, I really like this episode. And I'm like, great. And then... Uh, like just after the credits um and when i saw like the outfit willow was wearing and what was going on and when i saw what happened to the kid i'm like wait is this this episode with this monster of the week and it it, you know the moment i heard the voice i'm like oh it fucking is and i can't i can't deal with it um this is the worst this is the worst monster this is yeah so this show very rarely gives me the ick. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't like when necks are snapped, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't like the affair. <laughs> yep. And I don't like misogyny. But I don't like bite sacks for the reference. For the right, record. right. Like, but there's things in here that me <laughs> and you are like, okay. But this show has yet to send something my way in the horror genre that gives me the Wiggins. And this is it. Gnarl. <laughs> like, I am so perturbed i'm so creeped out i get shivers you'll see it in my writing in my typing because i get shivers i'm like my my fingers went nuts because every time he said something or he did something i just got creeped out and my question to you cara is is that a good thing because obviously the episode the villain is making us feel something it's an accomplishment if you're looking at it from a horror point of view but also what if we're not like is it just gross <laughs> is it just well, gross i don't the know the eternal question of horror right and yeah. i think especially in kind of around the early 2000s the horror genre especially for film really transformed into more gore than suspense you know you start to see a lot more like texas chainsaw massacre what seven or whatever right like um or a movie like the human centipede which i Mm. I have never seen and i will never see i have seen it i have seen the sequel (laughs) wow yeah 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 some things you can't unsee people yeah like i'm not here to yuck anybody's yum um that's not my yum let's just get that straight (laughs) Good, I'm really yeah. defensive there. <laughs> this is not my young. Steph does not want human centipede fanfic, okay? Don't no, send her that. I don't. Um, but no, like, you could argue that those things are horror because horrible things are happening to people. But I would argue that, you know, those are different from suspense or dread, you know, the other parts of the genre. My problem with the monster like Gnarl is, yeah, it, it's horrifying, but like you said, it's also gross. And to me, 
the psychological torture aspect isn't there. It, if anything, it's more of like a predator movie where it's like you're basically just being stalked by a predator, right? Gnarl wins because he's faster than you and has paralyzing venom. The horror aspect of this episode is that Willow and the, the Scoobies can't connect. That's the horror. Mm. I, I don't know what Gnarl's supposed to do in this episode other than be a red herring for Willow. Right. Uh, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We just, we just we really had to get out of the way right away that we're creeped out. We don't like it. But at the same time, wow, what an episode. Um, I will say, okay, so horror aspect of the episode aside, this is a very funny episode. I laughed out loud many times. The women in this episode are fucking killing it comedy wise. And also, Kara, I will say, we ask this show for a lot of things. Okay, we ask it to be a lot of things. And in this episode, it actually delivers in a big way on one of them. And that is that we know what time it is once in a while. <laughs> this is true. Right? Uh, We're although given the time. It is also overlapping times sometimes. <laughs> but I yes. mean, you, you've raised a good point. You've raised a good point, which we can talk more as, as the episode goes along. But this episode say what you will about the gross the ick factor this is a very well constructed episode in terms of how they use storytelling how they use narrative conceit and device and i think that's really cool and i have a lot to say about that and there's also a genuinely moving moment in it right like uh, there's a there's a scene in this episode that really moved me that really made me feel good and um, I can't wait to the get one to where it. Anya poses Don. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, that's that's the one. <laughs> Before we get into it, I had a question from last episode because I didn't think about it till I was editing the episode, and I was like, "Wait, so remember? Just really quick, remember when at the beginning of the episode, Spike's stalking the rat in what we thought might be rat rehab down in the basement." And there's rumblings that like kind of make him lose his mind a little bit. And then it stops. So my question now that I've edited and talked about the episode already, was that the Slogoth demon or was the rumbling just the Hellmouth? Because why would the Slogoth demon be under the high school unless Nancy was wandering around the high school? Or maybe it was just powerful enough that you could hear it from the basement of the high school. But I, I agree. I think it's supposed to be the Slogoth demon. All right. Because on the off chance, save your hot stakes for the end of the episode, Steph. (laughs) No, (laughs) drop them in whenever I feel like it. What do you think you are, the host of this podcast? You can't just do whatever you want. Don't censor me, (laughs) Kara. Not here, not now, not about this. (laughs) Okay, I won't silence you, you you slugoth truther, you. And don't you forget it. All right, let's begin because we have a lot to say, as always. It is 9.25 p.m. at Sunnydale Airport. Love it. Love it, car right off the bat. I was like, great. I don't have to sit here and wonder what the fuck. So (laughs) we're watching passengers leave the terminal. The camera follows them. And then it goes right past Buffy, Dawn, and Xander, who are waiting to pick up Willow. And first off the bat, Cara, what I want to say is Buffy's outfit is so cute. Mm-hmm. in this scene as are actually everyone's outfits are really cute in this episode um i really like what willow wears later on uh it would be even nicer though if these girls were wearing i don't know a hoodie that said prophecy girls podcast on it maybe or maybe a little xander slander <laughs> is xander's wearing his own xander slander <laughs> t-shirt mm, yeah <laughs> very meta. so if they they wanted to rep 
the podcast or something, how would they go about doing that? <laughs> well, they might want to go to prophecygirls.ca slash store where they might find items that have our logo on it and get them sent to them to where to the airport to pick up their friend. Just saying. I agree. That is the only possible way this episode could make people's outfits better. Otherwise, everyone's outfits on, on fleek. And Xander is holding up a sign in yellow crayon that says, welcome back, Willow. And he's like, do you think she'll get the sign? And Buffy's like, get the sign? I don't think she's going to see the sign. <laughs> so true. It is very pale. Dawn points that out. Xander says, I used yellow crayon. It was a thing when I talked to Willow on the bluff. I hope she gets it. And Dawn says, tell us again what you said. And Xander says, well, I was talking from my heart and I know evil Willow wasn't really ready to. Oh, you were kidding. Okay, pause. Yeah. Dawn is savage in this episode. She's been savage all season. I'm loving Dawn's sass level so much this season, especially directed towards Xander <laughs> because he fully deserves it. And she is coming into her powers as a teenage girl. And I am here for it. Anyone who criticizes or boos Dawn can kiss my ass because honestly, <laughs> Dawn is amazing. Not only in this episode, but the last couple episodes. Like the delivery... <laughs> Tell oh. us again what you said. She's so mean. And I, I fucking love it. And also, like, later, I have nothing but praise for her, right? Because oh, yeah. Donifer yeah. is just saying it as it is. And she calls him out here, right? And he, she tricks him because he's it's Xander. And um, Buffy is the one who says, well, we've heard the crayon speech a few times. Not that it's not great, of course. And Xander says, I saved the world with talking from my mouth. My mouth saved the world. Okay. <laughs> First off, Xander... You're not unique in your mouth saving the world, right? Like, mm -hmm. I I can't believe I'm bringing it up for the second time this episode, but we might remember the bite sex, right? <laughs> Indirectly, <laughs> Angel's mouth has also saved the world. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, arguably, though, I guess Xander's mouth saved in Prophecy Girl. <laughs> Xander's mouth True. saved so Buffy. So Xander's mouth has saved the world twice. You're correct. Well, but did that, sa did that save the world? I mean, I guess since Buffy did end up stopping the master. Yeah, we'll give it to him. My point is, one minute into this episode, and I'm already back on the Xander slander train. We cut him a lot of slack last couple episodes. We gave him a little bit of a hard time last episode, but... Episode three of season seven, you know, just as I was like, wait, do I actually like Xander Harris? He opens his mouth that he used to save the world. <laughs> and I'm, and he has reminded me of his place in the world. It's, it's always just like one step forward, two steps back with this guy, right? Because uh, on one hand, there are parts in this episode where I don't mind him, but I don't like here that he is bragging about this. Like, remember how we were like, I can't believe back in the Zeppo, Xander saved the high school and he didn't say anything about it. He humbled himself. And you and I were like, okay, okay, okay. Well, it's been a couple of years and I guess he's just forgotten that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like he's obviously used it. Now. Did he not say anything or is it just that he didn't say anything on screen? <laughs> well, these are questions I can't answer, Kara. Uh, all I know is that like we've seen him be humble we've seen him be the hero because you think you think buffy's out here bragging about saving the world every day because she does um as in save the world not brag but yeah so so i'm just saying like xander in the past you've you've displayed it here you're not so i don't know Dawn and Buffy rightfully ignore <laughs> what Xander's saying. Dawn says she's getting nervous. Buffy says it's going to be weird seeing her. What do you say to someone in this situation? And Xander says, I'm going to say, hi, Willow. And Buffy says, you're saying it's not going to be the least bit strange. We saw her kill someone. She was about to kill Dawn. 
Xander says, Giles wouldn't let her leave unless she's completed that whatever recovery course. And Buffy says she didn't finish. And Tom's like, she didn't finish being not evil. <laughs> and Buffy says, he said it was really important that she come back early and that she was doing really well and we shouldn't worry. Xander points out that everyone is now off the plane and there is no Willow. So um, it's 9.25 p.m. again. And this time we're watching all the people leave the terminal, but Willow is now with them and she's looking for the Scoobies. She walks right past the area where we saw them standing and they're not there. And she says, welcome home, me. Cut to credits. So, so first off, we could just be like, wow, they got the wrong day. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> yeah, right. Like I thought it was 9:25 a.m. Well, she is she is coming from being like five hours, no, eight hours. They're in California, uh, eight hours ahead, right? So like maybe you know Giles is calling for the future, so maybe he calls them and he's like, okay, she's coming on this day, and it's like, <laughs> oh, that day already happened for you, Giles. We're in the past. <laughs> It's a whole confusion thing. Uh, no, no, they cleverly did this so that we clearly see. The same people, the same uh, sequence of events, uh, except Willow's there and the Scoobies are not this time. So that is interesting. Now, before we move on to the uh, next scene, I just want to really point out real quick, because I'm a bitter Betty. I'm a, I'm a Dawn Niffer Summers this episode. You notice that when Buffy is leading this pack of people, she chooses to welcome Willow back with open arms, with with grace and dignity. And I just really want to shoot back real quick to the beginning of season three when Buffy returned from a summer of being in LA and the Scoobies did not afford her grace and dignity or leniency at all. And I, I get that they're older now, but I just really wanted to point that out. Mm-hmm. Let's cut to a construction site where a youth is spray painting. A youth. Oh. I know. He this youth had it coming for destroying public property. I, I think me. I think this youth got off easy. If you had been there, you would have <laughs> shaken your fist and said youths, and then things would <laughs> you, just go downhill you from baggy there. Pets, youth. Uh so this kid is getting stalked as he spray paints the side of this construction site. We okay. <laughs> whatever this demon is that's stalking him is saying like all alone and it snaps its fingers like and then it's like are you frightened to be all alone and the kid's like somebody there and the demon says the wind talks when you're alone and then he evil laughs and the kid says you better clear out wherever you are and then he gets attacked and he screams so let's cut to the summer's home willow's knocking on the front door no one answers so she goes to the back door which is open and that would never happen at my house she just walks on in she's calling for buffy in the kitchen no one's there we see that it's 10 41 p.m so my question is how did willow get to the summer's home and why did it take almost an hour and a half did she walk and if she walked that must mean sunnydale airport is very close to uc sunnydale because <laughs> well, i would say that sunnydale airport must be pretty close to where Buffy lives if you can get there in a little bit over an hour. Like, generally speaking, like some airports are pretty far away from the city itself, right? Yes. And depending on traffic and stuff. Like, we know from last season that Xander and Anya thought they could get to the airport <laughs> and back to Xander's place 
in like 25, 25 min- minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So it must be pretty close. I mean, Sunnydale's not that big. We've seen a couple of proposed maps of Sunnydale before. Keep it. No, remember the freeway they took to get to the airport? Well, <laughs> Ten late freeway. Maybe it's like Thunder Bay where, you know, you've got like the, the quote unquote, quote, expressway going kind of around the outskirts of town. And sometimes that's faster than driving through the middle of town, right? I don't know. Not in that case. That was rush hour in Sunnydale. I would assume that Willow took a taxi cab, um, mm-hmm. much like she did in England, jolly old, Eng- old England. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know, maybe there are just motorcycles lying around from when the Demon Biker game was in town. <laughs> she could have waited, right? She could have waited for them for a bit to see if they would if they were running late. But like, just saying... Time has passed, okay? So, and here's also where I pointed out Willow's cute little outfit, like classy blouse with leather jacket. And her hair is on point. This is actually my favorite Willow hairstyle out of all the Willow hairstyles. Mm. Uh, I think she looks very chic. But I also feel like it's interesting how her outfits, and maybe it'll, this will be how it will be going forward as well. They're just, they just seem more mature for what Willow usually wears. You know, like last season, the season before, she's wearing a lot more like, not even witchy style, but just like a little bit more eccentric, right? A little more bright colors, but here she's quite dulled down. So Willow goes upstairs to her to her room, aka Joyce's room. Um, she's calling for everyone, but no one's home. She looks around the room and things are different, right? I think things are different from how she had it with Tara. She goes to the window and she touches the glass and she gets a finger touch flashback, Kara. You said last episode that you hated those. <laughs> I do. But I get them all the time, as should you, as everyone does when you touch something. It's the worst kind of electric shock. <laughs> it's like, ah, trauma. So <laughs> because because I say that because she automatically thinks about Tara getting shot through that window, right? Like that, like I, I'm really glad. At first I didn't know this was happening, and by the end of the episode, we see that her and Buffy switch rooms. I'm really glad for that because Willow definitely should not be staying in that room. So she notices a notebook on the desk that says family members and it's Buffy, Dawn and Xander's numbers. She hears the door closed downstairs. So she runs downstairs, but no one's there. So she lays down on the couch and the camera pans away from her to like, she looks really small in this giant couch, but also in this giant room, right? So she's all alone. Now it's 1041 PM again. Xander, Don, and Buffy are arriving home wondering if Willow doubled back and got caught a different flight to go somewhere else mid-commute. Uh, Don wonders if she's dodging Giles because she's evil again. Xander says that I've voted Giles tons of times. It just meant I was lazy, not evil. Buffy says, I hope you're right. Defeating lazy Willow probably less hard. <laughs> so they hear a door slam upstairs. Or no, I think it was um maybe Willow dropping the book or something the notebook maybe um so they go upstairs to investigate it but she's not there they come back downstairs dawn says um she she didn't find any messages from her and giles hasn't heard from her and buffy saying giles blames himself thinking that she wasn't ready to come back she tried to warn him but maybe it's something about us that she couldn't face and xander says he gets it if she thought that we weren't ready to forgive her and dawn says so giles is blaming giles we're blaming us. Is anybody going to blame Willow? Don't give me shock face. Will anyone around here start asking for help when they need it? Ooh, Ooh, Donatella, Donatella. When the 15, 15 year old? Yeah, she's 15 now. When the 15 year old girl is the one telling you that you need to talk about your feelings and ask people for help, giving you the adult advice, you need to stop and look at your life choices. I love it. 
I love Dawn for this. I love her confidence in saying this, right? And the being the devil's advocate, sure. But like, do you notice how confident she is when she says it? How she like backs herself up? She's like, don't give me that face. Like I'm like everyone here needs to deal with their shit, right? I just love that her moral issues seem to be intact for her. She doesn't really second guess them, right? She's like, this is what it should be. And I'm going to say it. Whereas like Buffy likes to him and haw with her moral you know, with the, with the stuff about it as well. Like she's very up in the air about how she feels about Willow this episode. Dawn's not. Dawn's like, maybe we should be blaming Willow if she took off, you know, like don't blame us. Don't blame Giles. You know, I, I, I agree with you, but I also think like Dawn is young. She's echoing how Buffy was with her morality back in the first couple of seasons of, of the show when Giles would be like, Oh, it's complicated. Buffy would be like, it's not complicated. It's evil. I kill it. That's my job. Right. And then she had to kill her boyfriend. And suddenly when he comes back the next school year, she's like, mm, it's complicated. And Giles <laughs> you know what? is the one who's like, nah. <laughs> so I, I think Dawn is speaking from a place of that youthful kind of black and white view of the world where because she hasn't yet dealt with the complexities of adult life and adult relationships, she's speaking from a position of authority that she hasn't yet earned. And that's not, I'm not being inconsistent with what I just said in terms of praising her. I think it's great that she has, like you said, the confidence to make these kinds of claims and assertions and and speak her mind in front of the older adults in the room. At the same time, you know, we can recognize that this is coming from that teenage hubris of nobody has been through what I've, uh, what I'm going through right now. And also (laughs) I know everything. (laughs) I will applaud Don Terrell's confidence. I will, because you know what? Remember in the, in the first episode of this season, she was so confident going to school and making friends before Buffy fucked it up. <laughs> and then in last episode, she stood up to Spike, right? And then she was also like demand, like um, naming herself Command Central. Like I just, I really like this for Dawn, right? I like, I like what they're doing with her character this season. I'm happy. So Buffy says, if Willow flipped out, it's her bad. We can only be there for her so much if she won't be, you know, here. And they're all sitting on the couch thinking about this. And then they fade away to reveal that Willow is also still on the couch, but she's now asleep. So it's morning. Willow's on the couch. She wakes up. She's still alone. No one came home as far as she knows. So she goes to the phone, tries to call Giles, but conveniently Giles or inconveniently, I guess Giles is in a council meeting all day. He can't be reached. So she just stands really awkwardly in the living room there. Um, the camera pans away from her again. So this is the second shot of her, or I guess like the third really, because um, when she was outside the house, it was from far away as well. But I, I think it's interesting how they keep doing these wide shots just to make that isolation that like she's feeling mm-hmm. alone, she's by herself. Um, and when you're by yourself, everything else seems just like, like really big, the big world, big house. Yeah. And one thing I really noticed though, when they're doing these shots, just how much the set of Buffy's house looks like a set to me, <laughs> you know, like once they pan out, I'm like this is actually a very large and spacious house, which makes me think it's a studio. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's uh that's the risk that you run when you're playing, you know, with camera angles and stuff. There, yeah, it's definitely on a stage and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, cut to Willow walking through downtown Sunnydale next day and everything. So, she just decided, I'm going to go walk about. And my question is, like, has she had food? Like, did she just stop and make 
<laughs> breakfast for herself? Did she make cereal like Buffy has done? <laughs> My headcanon is that she picked up coffee and donuts like that morning where she caught Oz with Veruca. Like she went and picked mm, up something like yeah. that on her way out. Yeah. Oh, so you're willing to talk about that affair. <laughs> <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> Uh, my other question is, is it a school day? It's a clearly a <laughs> Saturday morning. <laughs> we we know what time it is. We're not clear on what day it is. I I, I <laughs> guess, you know, we can, can only ask for so much from this show. Um, so she's walking through downtown Sunningdale, through the one downtown set they have. Um, and she sees Anya, who's coming out of the magic box. So Anya is still in possession of the magic box, but uh, Anya is carrying a box of stuff. So, you know, clearly moving out. And Anya sees Willow, starts to back up, and says, What are you doing here? I thought you were with Giles, studying how not to kill people. <laughs> and Willow says, I just got back. Anya says, just got back, as in, you're all better? Or just got back, as in, to bring about the fiery apocalypse of death? <laughs> and Willow says, neither. But I have been studying, working real hard, and I'm going to be fine. Anya says, good. Because I remember the last time you said that. And I've spent a lot of time since then cleaning the debris out of my ex-livelihood. Willow says she wants to help with that. That she feels really responsible. And Anya says, you feel really responsible? You are really responsible. Which, fair. Yeah, you know, I think fair. of all the people who uh, should be mad at Willow, I think Anya has like first in line <laughs> status yeah. right now. Because yes... Willow trapped Dawn and Buffy in a cave and forced them to fight with root monsters. Yes, she lightning bolted Xander a bunch of times. Yes, she suck jobbed Giles. But, you know, of all the Scoobies, the one who has felt the most material harm is Anya. It's been months and she's still cleaning out the store from the wreckage. Yeah. You'll also notice that Willow did not ask Anya how her money is. So Willow's being very rude. I actually have thoughts about that later <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> um so willow says i know i hurt you and everyone and i'm sorry anya says here's something you should know about vengeance demons we don't groove with the sorry we prefer oh god please stop hitting me with my own rib bones i love yeah, that so good and willow says whatever you want rib bones and so forth i deserve it anya says and you won't mind well then that's no fun uh, Willow apologizes again and then she sits down on the curb and Anya decides to sit next to her Willow's looking over the box of stuff and saying where is everyone these days so Anya gives her a little synopsis she says I'm back in my own apartment of course vengeance takes me all over the world I was in Brazil yesterday they love their soccer uh, Willow asks about everybody else and Anya says oh you haven't seen them hmm I guess they're still mad at you They've been a little temperamental lately, just between you and me. We had this little mix-up a few days ago, and, and Willow's like, that's great. <laughs> Where do you think they'd be? <laughs> which, oh my god. Like, I love how Anya is telling things from her point of view, which is yeah. very different from the episode we saw. And then Willow, who, as she's not listening to Anya, has been like, fidgeting with something from Anya's box and she breaks it and then she puts it back in the box. Yeah. <laughs> so the physical comedy here is quite funny. Uh, Anya and Willow scenes in this episode are actually very, very good. Anya is very good in this episode. Um, and in the scene particularly, I like that she launches off into herself, right? What, what irked me 
about this situation right here is Willow <laughs> clearly not listening to Aunt Anya, as you said. Mm-hmm. Willow had just said she was sorry. She's like, I'm here to atone. I'm here to help you because it is Willow's fault that Anya is in this situation with her store, that she's out of her livelihood, her human livelihood. And Willow can't even give her the decency of listening to her, just catch her up on what's going on. Like Anya went out of her way to sit with her on the curb. Anya could literally could be like, okay, I'm out. Like, cause like, why? What does she owe Willow? Literally nothing. But she sat down with her and then Willow dismisses her, right? Like this isn't old news. It's not new for Willow to be dismissive of Anya or to be rude toward her. But I just thought this was really, <laughs> this was a choice for somebody who says that she's here to feel sorry and sh- says that she's here because she's sorry and she wants to do better. This didn't look good for her to me yeah that's a really good point like the least you can do is listen to her willow (laughs) so anya says oh you know they're at the new high school probably everyone is all about the new high school because of the principal (laughs) yeah she doesn't mention that interestingly we don't get any principal wood in this episode i i'm sorry that you were so deprived right (laughs) like he should have been the one to stop (laughs) gnarl anya previously was posing as a high school student back uh when we first met her Is it the fact that while she wasn't a demon anymore, she aged a few years that she thinks she can't be a high school student anymore? Like, I'm curious about why she's decided that she's not going to go try to, you know, make Dawn's friends wish that Buffy had never come to Sunnydale. That is a really good point. You know what? What you said was perfect, Cara. Well, I'm not going to add anything, though, because then we're going to get into the dangerous territory of age gap. And I don't talk about age gaps anymore. So So, uh, Anya (laughs) says, Buffy has some sort of job there helping junior deviants. Spike's insane in the basement. And Xander's there doing construction on the gym. He likes to start early. So he's probably there by now. And I I don't know, Steph, did you detect a little tone of like Anya still keeping tabs on Xander? Maybe I'm, I'm having a flashback. I must have touched something with my finger. I'm having a flashback to season four where she was watching him do construction stuff in Pangs. Dig. <laughs> she was interested in watching him dig. I mean, Anya is in general all over the place character-wise the last, I guess the last couple episodes, but like really since season five, right? Like we, you and I were saying we get whiplash with her character sometimes. Sometimes she's an old lady. Sometimes she's a naive high school student, as you're saying. And in this case, it's like, you know, she spent the last episode saying bite me Harris and like I'm not like I'm embarrassed that I was engaged to you and you and I were like yeah but here you're right you're right it does seem like she knows an awful lot about Xander's schedule mind you like that could just be carryover for because she lived with the guy right and that she knew him for a couple years there so she might have access to their shared google calendar (laughs) (laughs) yeah but really that like in what in what way would she know that he's working on the gym at school right like how would she know that she still keeps that he still keeps those hours it's it's saturday you and i are assuming so construction should not be happening on on the weekends anyway i'm with you on that 
So let's go to the construction site. All right. Willow is calling for Xander, but no one's there. <laughs> so what does she do? She wanders on down into the pit of the construction site. And Kara, she is not wearing PPE. She didn't get her safety training. She didn't get anyone there to accompany She's her down. She's wearing unsensible shoes as she goes down a ladder. Yeah. She didn't contact me so that I know personnel that are on site because she could be media she could be a member of the public she is a member of the public get her out of there <laughs> this is not a well-contained construction what, site once we finish season seven listeners we're going back to the beginning and we're just doing health and safety commentary for all of buffy <laughs> we're doing health and safety commentary plus uh construction pr <laughs> that's what we're gonna be covering so uh looking forward to that <laughs> It'll be called Steph and Kara Construction Slayers. <laughs> so, oh God, down in the pit, there's a carcass. There's the carcass of the youth, Kara. A uh, flayed carcass. It's I don't, skinned. I don't like, like, mercifully, they cut away really quickly, but I don't like it. Here's a, here's a thought. Here's a thought. Do you think they just took the same yes. prop that they used for Warren and just, just used Yeah. <laughs> that's what i was thinking and if anybody writes in saying that one dead flayed male body doesn't look like another i am going to be very suspicious about how you know that <laughs> keep it to yourself okay i don't i don't want to know it also though car i will say i hope that we don't all look like warren skinless <laughs> well steph i hate to tell you this but we all look the same underneath <laughs> no i don't believe you i, I need proof no, I don't. No one send me anything. Don't send me the human centipede well, fanfic. Send me nothing. Set I hate this episode. <laughs> it's so gross. It's so gross. Just don't ever email about the, anything about this episode. To I don't us, want a hot steak. I don't want a hot steak about this episode. Forget it. Skip to the next one or use the ones previously. You've got like over 150 to pick Can we them. go back to talking about Haunted Dick, please? Remember those days? <laughs> those were the days. Those were the fucking days. <gasps> Anyway, anyway, <laughs> good for the prop department for finding uses for things they need. <laughs> They're like, okay, we, we spent so much money on this last season. Can you please write an episode where we can use this again? <laughs> I don't think we got enough recognition because it was only on screen for one shot. So we need to use it one more time. They're really proud of it. They had the interns do it, you see. And they're like, we really need to show us off. <laughs> These little geniuses. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, okay. Oh, God, a skinned youth. <laughs> at, the, at the same time that Willow's looking at the skinned youth, Xander and Buffy are there too. And they're they're looking down at it. Xander says, it's tough to look at. And Buffy says, and yet my eyes refuse to look away. Stupid eyes. <laughs> Again, the girls are so funny in this episode. Xander says he found it first thing that morning, gave the crew the day off, and called Buffy right away. So is it a Saturday if they were going to be doing construction? Well, I mean, yeah, sir, sure. Some crews work on weekends. It's like extra pay or whatever, I guess, if the school's desperate for that gym. Sure. But, like, I think it's interesting that, like, he just, he called them up and said, don't come. And if any of them said why, he was just like, no reason. <laughs> Because he has to call the police for like he called his crew before he called the police. That's gonna look so suspicious. Xander has Xander. shot up to number one suspect on my list. You know, if I'm a cop in Sunnydale, but cops oh, okay. in Sunnydale are deeply stupid. 
I was about to make that point. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, so in any other city. But no, you're you're absolutely right. Like Xander has a responsibility to report what's going on. Like, like it's very sweet that he called Buffy first, but no, it's like, that, yes, obviously. What are they? Call are Buffy. they getting rid of this body? Like, otherwise, he has to call the cops because somebody else is going to find the body, and like, it's his construction site. And he clearly hasn't contained the construction site because Willow wandered on <laughs> in. You, you know, it's not like there's a yellow tape up. There's not like a fence to keep people out. <laughs> and also, I will add, when there's a giant pit like that, you absolutely need safety fencing around it. So. So, Xander, you suck at your job. I'm not surprised because you've been doing it for two years. But, like, come on, buddy. Yeah, Xander's number one suspect on everyone's list now because he Wait. was like, I called my friend. What if, what if this wasn't the first body, Steph? What if... <laughs> <laughs> we talking about well because you said there's no safety fencing around a pit right like yeah. this like so this what is not it, the what... first time <laughs> not so much a flayed person you're saying but like anybody Sandra just gets there it's like oh another one in the pit okay listen 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 when you have a job like mine there's something called the crisis <laughs> communications plan and when there's a death on site there is a string of phone calls that have to be made. And yes, there is like someone at the top of the list. It's 911. Okay, that number one is the police. Number two is your project director. So I <laughs> I find this very funny. I think you're right, Kara. Xander's used to covering up bodies. And not only is he used to covering up bodies by sending crews home, but he's looking extra guilty because he called his friend anybody with a brain is gonna be like he called buffy to help him hide the body he, he called buffy and then she made talk something to him then they call the police you know like that's what's happening here i've watched enough true crime shows to know what's going on it always is the white guy too <laughs> I'm dead. Please, I'm dead. Go on without me. <laughs> wow. We are detectives wow. over here. Anyway, thanks for calling Buffy, Xander. Otherwise, we wouldn't have that hilarious line. Um, Buffy uh, says, I got to get a job where I don't get called right away from the stuff. <laughs> another so, great line. Yeah, it's so good. So uh, Willow is climbing the ladder out. Of course, Xander and Buffy don't see her. She doesn't see them. Xander says, I know what you're thinking. Maybe Willow is back. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I think this is valid. I think it's valid that they think that it's possible that Willow flayed this kid because on one hand, I like my, actually my first reaction to them saying that was, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. Willow flayed a very specific person, right? Willow went after Warren specifically because he murdered her girlfriend. But then I was like, mm, but then she did try to end the world right after that. So she could just be on a skinning spree, right? Like, we don't know. Once you go flay, you really just stay. <laughs> Ooh. Once you flay, you stay to slay or something. We need to work on that slogan. Yeah. So anyway, I was like, hey, the suspicion is deserved, Willow. I hope she doesn't treat this like she did back in gone <laughs> when they're like willow something magic is happening and she's like you're blaming me <laughs> it's like it's been a day Willow. of course they're blaming you so 
Willow is walking to the new high school. She goes down to the basement. Spike jumps out at her and he's like, this is my place. You need permission to be here. You need a special slip with a stamp. He's ranting again. Clearly he's still insane. Uh, Willow watches him do this for a while. He says, you went away. You've been gone since. And Willow says, I needed to go, but I'm back now. And I found there's a body. And Spike says, is there blood? Willow says, I can't find Buffy or Xander or Dawn. And there's this thing that's killing people. The victim was skinned. What could do that? And Spike says, you did it once. I heard about it. And Willow says, anything other than me? <laughs> and Spike walks up to nothing. And he says, look at you, glowing. What's the word means glowing? Got a rhyme. Willow calls, calls to him. He starts getting agitated. He says, I should hide. Hide from you. Hide my face. You know what I did. Willow says, what did you do? You didn't do anything, did you? And Spike says, everyone's talking to me. No one's talking to each other. Someone isn't here. Button, button, who's got the button? My money's on the witch. So I really love this scene. Uh, I'll explain why in a second. But I just want to point out here real quick. Number one, when Spike is saying glowing, what's the word means glowing? It's obviously effulgent, Spike. So like, is Spike in his head going back to his William days, right? Like, is that where he is at the moment? Having conversations with Cecily. Lots going on with Spike right now. We don't really have to spend a lot of time with him, which I'm okay with. (laughs) So Xander and Buffy are wandering the basement. Uh, Xander is saying that he can't use the blueprints to find his way around down here. It's like the walls move or something. And that's when they hear Spike chattering. So they approach him. And then the scene plays out to show that he has been having a conversation with Willow and Buffy and Xander at the same time i know it's so good it's really well done like it's really effective and i will praise james marsters for the scene because i think he did he pulls it off really well he looks Mm -hmm. insane when he's talking to willow but once you see this part of the scene with xander and buffy it's not it 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 just makes a lot more sense you know And and i think he pulls it off really well so buffy calls for spike and he looks up and says you went away you've been gone since And Buffy says, the church, you scared me a little. I didn't know what to think. And Xander says, we're here for a reason, Spike. Spike says, is there blood? But he's looking at Willow now because obviously he's jumping between the two. Uh, Xander and Buffy assume that he's talking about the the body. And Buffy says, Spike, we need to know who did this. Spike says, look at you, glowing. What's a word means glowing? And Buffy says, Spike, please. He wants to hide his face. He does that whole part. Xander says, boy, he's extra helpful today. Uh, Spike notes that they aren't talking to each other. He says that whole line again. Buffy wants to go and Spike says, my money's on the witch. Red's a bad girl. And Buffy says he's talking about Willow. Xander says, and that means something because he's chock full of sanity. And Buffy says, maybe he saw her. Spike says, they think you did it. Slayer and her boy. They think you took the skin. And Buffy asks if there's something there, something that killed. Xander says, her boy? I'm her boy? (laughs) And Spike says, I have to go. There are things here without permission. To, I have to check the slips. Make sure they have authorization. And he walks away. So I wonder why they don't object to Spike staying in the basement. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like clearly Buffy, after the church scene, she knows he's got a soul. But he went back to the basement because that's where he's been for the past couple of uh, months anyway. His, he's wearing the blue shirt again, but it's a lot dirtier. So clearly he's not taking care of himself down there. He's unhinged, obviously. He's not their problem. 
wouldn't they be worried about the students or like you know i mean i know he can't come out into the daylight oh, he saw the chip yeah the chip Mm-mm. okay yeah that makes sense because I, I was like is it not alarming that I he's down there teams why not just st- stake spike for like two years now absolutely you're you're so right so yeah can we talk a little bit more about the construction of this scene because like you said this is so awesome this to me is what makes this episode brilliant up until now We've just kind of had the the serial overlap, right? We've seen Willow's point of view, and then we've seen the Scoobies, and we know that they overlap. But I love how the writers said we can take this one step further, and we can actually demonstrate the concurrent nature of Willow and Buffy and Xander's experience by using Spike as a vehicle for that, since everybody thinks Spike is mad. It isn't out of character for him right now to be acting the way he is. So it gives them that plausible deniability. Um, like you said, credit to James Marsters, credit to the director for, you know, how they blocked the scene um, and set everything up. It's, it works so, it's so clever. And the way, um, I know Jane Espenson is the one who wrote this episode. The way that Jane Espenson did the dialogue so that it makes sense, like you said, if you were listening to one side of the conversation or the other, but now when you've heard both sides, um, it reminds me a lot of the Doctor Who episode Blink, which is one of the more famous kind of standalone episodes of Doctor Who uh, from the David Tennant era. And uh, in that episode, he first encounters the Weeping Angel monsters, but there's something similar going on where there's a DVD recording of the doctor having a one-sided conversation and it's not until later in the episode that the kind of gibberish lines that he's saying into the camera line up with the right person who who's able to talk back to him and it's you know it's all tiny wibby wibbly wobbly as he says in the episode (laughs) but that's what this scene is reminding me of is you know every once in a while uh, a writer kind of hits on a really cool idea that hinges on the medium of the storytelling like you couldn't really pull this off in a book it would be a lot harder to do this in a a linear narrative but with something like television where you can play with things like blocking and timing uh, it is possible and i i love seeing storytelling that is bound to the medium like that Mm -hmm. yeah well said uh it's a it is a very good scene it's a very interesting and enjoyable scene to watch. Uh, Well done, everyone involved. One thing I want to add is a little bit about Willow and Spike together, because there is a comparison here. Like the fact that they both did something very terrible to this group of people, particularly Buffy, right? Like Spike tried to rape her. Willow tried to kill everybody. They both left Sunnydale to seek out something to make things better, whether it's some sort of redemption or teachings or correction and they've returned to Sunnydale and to the Scoobies that um they're not really sure how they're gonna fit in anymore right but there's a lot of comparison there between the two and it also kind of solidifies how Willow being the big bad of last season how she is very much seen as a villain now like she was a Scooby she was a good person up until last season lots changed for her right to the point that she's on the same level as Spike and you notice She's not interacting with any of the humans of our main characters. She's now interacting with just the demons. I'm so glad that you brought that last point up because 
I, I was going to make a similar point, not exactly the same uh, later in the episode, because I wanted to praise Alison Hannigan for how much acting she had to do solo in a lot of these scenes, right? It's just her wandering around an empty Sunnydale, basically. Mm. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like her one-on-one -on -one scenes are with the monsters, with the villains or former antagonists. Mm -hmm. And I agree that there's a significance there. So yeah, good job exploring that. It's a real fall from grace, right? So yeah. I, I, I do find it significant that she's by herself talking to Spike, by herself talking to Anya, whereas you notice Buffy, Dawn, and Xander are a united force. Although Dawn isn't with them this morning, so could she be at school? <laughs> is that like, is it Friday? <laughs> what day is it? No. Willow shows up at Anya's apartment, which, how do you know where Anya lives? <laughs> and Willow says, I need help. And Anya says, I don't have any money. Such an Anya thing to assume. I know. <laughs> Willow says, I don't want money. And then she just walks right into Anya's apartment. Like, Willow does not give a fuck about Anya. No, she doesn't. And the fact that Anya is the only one that's going to help her this episode, it's wild how rude she like, is to her. We were really harsh on Willow in previous seasons at times. And I've said this before, right? Like, this rewatch in particular, I'm liking Willow so much less than I used to. And this is why she hasn't changed. She's so selfish. She's, she's like, a liar. me, 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 me. Like I already pointed it out. The fact that she's like, I can't even spend 10 seconds thinking about you, Anya, and listening to you tell yeah. me about what's going on with my friends. Like it's rude. It's, it's, it's selfish. So I love Anya's response. She says, come in. Enjoying my personal space. Because, <laughs> you know, as our listeners have said before, Anya is definitely, she comes across as autistic. And a lot of autistic people have a lot of, you know, issues with personal space. They need personal space. Uh, a lot of autistic people are touch averse um, or touch repulsed. And Willow is disregarding Anya's personal space, Anya's privacy, and just like, I need help. And, you know, assumes that Anya is going to give it, even though like, like Anya is remarkably helpful to both Willow and the Scoobies in this episode, as we're going to see in a later scene. It's like, she's really showing up for them. She doesn't have to. Willow doesn't respect Anya at all. Like at all. <sighs> she never has. So Willow says that she found a dead body near the high school. And my next question for you, Steph, is why didn't Willow go to the police? <laughs> Willow can't go to the police. They'll recognize her as that chick with the black hair that broke her building. She doesn't have black hair anymore. <laughs> Who are you, stranger? <laughs> Remember, she puts glasses on. stupid. <laughs> um, so Anya says, yes, that can happen. Point Anya. Willow says, something horrible killed a boy took his skin right off okay this and they this. there's a beat there's a beat and they look at each other they size each other up uh and then simultaneously they say was it you no <laughs> that's so good it it's, so good. it's perfect yeah, this episode so the writing good. like jane esmondson oh yeah. so good yeah so <laughs> anya says oh they're definitely gonna think it was you which is this is the point where if i were anya i'd get out my big bucket of popcorn and start mm -hmm. chowing down mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so willow says i have to find whatever did this i i need to do something right and anya says so they'll think it wasn't you right 
that has to be part of it as she eats her popcorn. <laughs> Maybe you, you're even thinking, oh, you kill this thing. They don't even have to know about it. Won't suspect you even for a minute. And Willow says, when did you get all insightful? And Anya says, I'm surprisingly sensitive. Okay, just just chef's kiss. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Fucking right on, Anya. Call it out. As you and I were just saying, Kara, about Willow's selfishness. Anya just nailed it on the head. You don't care about this youth. <laughs> you don't care. You are doing this for you. <laughs> Can we name the youth Jermaine? I love it. Yes. Jermaine with a G or Jermaine with a J? Either one is fine. Perfect. <laughs> it's about choice, Kara. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, poor Jermaine. May he rest in peace. Um, yeah, this is an Anya Stan podcast now. Well, especially this episode. Like, I mean, her and Dawn just calling it for what it is because it's true. Anya's so right. She's so right. So Willow asks Anya if she'll help. And Anya says, is it difficult or time consuming? <laughs> Which also very reasonable. If somebody comes to you asking you for help with a murder investigation, you should probably be like, do I need to clear my schedule? Uh, let's cut to nighttime, okay? Because it is time consuming. <laughs> Willow and Anya have lit candles around her apartment and they're sitting across from each other on the floor with a map in the middle. And Anya is asking her, this isn't going to get all sexy, is it? <laughs> Which is so funny. She knows about the glowy O's. Yeah, exactly. And Willow's like, I'd be shocked. Do you have your powder? Uh, Willow says, we scattered over the map and anywhere there's a demon, a little light appears. So this, don't like, correct me if I'm wrong, Cara, this is the spell that her and Tara had tried in season four, Yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is why Anya's asking if it's going to get sexy. <laughs> so good. So Anya says, pretty, will it hurt my carpet? And Willow says, no. Okay, so remember back when Buffy did the spell oh. to access the dream like realm and she poured all of that red powder all over that, that was... big white fluffy carpet yeah that was to like reveal hidden demons or something yeah. or hidden spells yeah <laughs> so could nobody have helped her not make that mistake like i like that like anya's asking this question and i really hope it's a callback to that episode i really hope the writers are making a dig there because like just put down something protective like they just did here with the paper and you're good. And I think Willow, an experienced witch, would know this. But again, she's so rude to Anya. She don't give a fuck. So they're concentrating. Anya mimics her stance. They both scatter the powder. The lights appear. Anya's like, oh, hey, look, that's me. Hello. What's the huge clump? And Willow says that's a high school. It's all hell melty underneath. And Anya says again that things are stirring there lately. And then, of course, the map lights on fire. Willow stomps it out and she lifts up the map and Anya is pissed because her carpet now has this giant burn stain. She's not getting her security deposit back. <laughs> right? Seeming deposit or whatever. Yeah. But like Willow, unsurprisingly, doesn't give a shit. Uh, narrows down on the spot on the map where the demon probably is. She says he's probably hiding in a cave there. Uh, she suggests that Anya just teleport over there real quick like a bun. She's about to say buddy. But then she's like, real quick, let's see if I'm right. Because don't forget that Anya is afraid of rabbits. Anya's like, no, sorry, you damaged my carpet. Which, fair, 
fair okay willow says anya you're a vengeance demon just teleport like she got she gets really bossy and anya says as it turns out teleporting isn't a right it's a privilege i withdrew a vengeance spell last week and this is my punishment i can only teleport for official business i have to file a flight plan and everything so willow says oh i'm sorry that must be hard anya says yeah it bites a big one and the vengeance itself it's not as fulfilling as i remember Willow's like, really? Because I got the impression that you really enjoyed the inflicting. <laughs> and Anya's like, causing pain sounds really cool, but it turns out it's really upsetting. Didn't used to be, but now it is. And Willow's like, is it like you're scared of losing that feeling again and having it be okay to hurt people? And you're not in charge of power anymore because it's in charge of you? And Anya's like, wow, that was really overdramatically stated. But yes, that's it. And Willow's like, yeah, I get it. Believe me. And Anya says, sorry, Will, I wish it were better for you. And Will says, you too. Okay, so there's a little understanding there. Anya says, it did get a little sexy, didn't it? <laughs> and Willow grins. Then she snaps out of it. She's like, I have to go to the, find the monster. So before she leaves, Anya just asks her why she doesn't do a spell to find Buffy and Xander. And she said she did, but something went wrong. And it said that they didn't exist. Ooh. Interesting. So, Friends not found. Right? So what time is it? <laughs> Oh God, we've lost track of time. We need a clock, quick. Where's our clock? Where's our kitchen clock? At, at Buffy's, Dawn is doing research on the computer. And again, I asked what time it is because it looks like it's sunny outside, right? Mind you, I think Willow and Anya obviously could have shut the curtains, but it just appeared to be nighttime to me. Dawn is doing research on the computer. She's now the Giles and the Willow of the group. Xander and Buffy are looking at books. And then uh, Donarella says that she's making a list of words to look up, including viscera. And Buffy's like, oh, she knows about viscera. Makes you proud. So Aww. Buffy starts pacing. I love Buffy. Love Dawn together. Buffy's pacing. And she says she needs to do something. I have this feeling in my gut. And Xander says, in your viscera. <laughs> and Buffy's like, that we know exactly who did this. And all this work is just a way for us to convince ourselves that Willow's okay. And I really feel for Buffy here. I like that they gave this moment to her because Buffy's legit worried that she might have to kill her friend again, right? Like she she might have had to the last season and now she's she's genuinely psyching herself up again to be like, I might have to slay. <laughs> I might have to well, kill her. It, it, it goes back to what Buffy said in the previous scene about I wish I wasn't the one getting these calls. And then... Uh, Willow echoes this later on in a very touching moment when when the two girls are talking, and, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But Buffy has a lot of responsibility in these situations. And unlike some people, Xander, she doesn't have the luxury not to deal with it herself. And that's important. And I think that's one of the themes of this episode. It's so true. And and you're right, like Abdon and Buffy will touch on that in a little bit. But I will say, like I will point out, because you already pointed out Xander, notice how Xander this whole episode has been on Willow's side, right? He's like, well, I also ignore Giles or Spike's insane, so we can't really trust his judgment. Like he really is, Willie really is standing up for Willow here. And like you're saying, Buffy doesn't have that ability, right? She has to think about it this, this way because she's the one that has to deal with the consequence, right? So of course she has to think this way. So Dawn is the best and fastest researcher out of all the Scoobies ever because she has found a demon called Gnarl. He's a parasite with these nasty long fingernails. He secretes something through them and uses them to paralyze his victims. Then he cuts strips of their skin while they're still alive. It takes hours. Xander says they didn't find skin strips, which by the way, ugh. <laughs> and Dawn says she would 
it. You wouldn't. He eats them. That's why he's a parasite. It's it gets like his, worse and worse. Oh yeah. She's like, it's like his natural food. And and Dawn is unnaturally enthusiastic about communicating this information. Because Dawn's that bitch. <laughs> you know, like Dawn is so excited to be helping and respected and involved because you notice that's what she's been since the beginning of the season. She's reminding me a lot of Lata from um uh, the Winchesters, which I know I'm the only person in the world who watched that TV show, but <laughs> I really, I really liked that character, and that's what Don's reminded me of. Is like so enthusiastic. <laughs> I also want to point out here that um, as somebody who hires interns, as somebody who has friends that hire coordinators, interns, you know, people who are below you um, in the corporate food chain. Sometimes you do want to hire the person who might not be as experienced, but has a lot of enthusiasm because they're going to mm -hmm. go to bat for you harder than anyone else. Dawn is better than Xander in every way. <laughs> True statement. <laughs> like Xander used to be research guy, but look at her, her now. Look at her go. Look at Xander doubting her. He's like, I don't think it's this one. And Dawn's <sighs> like, oh no, Xander, I got receipts. The confidence of O'Donnell, like, like... I said this earlier, I was, I was admiring her confidence. Buffy says right here, she says, you're new at this and I get that you're proud, but I'm not sure why this demon is, is any more likely than any of the other demons. And Dawn doubles down. She says, you never said there was a pool of blood. And Buffy says, there's no pool of blood, just splatters. And Dawn says, then this is your guy. He laps up the blood. You could say it's like his natural beverage. <laughs> and Xander says, you're terrifying. And Dawn says, if we just knew how to find this thing, Xander says we could ask questions over at Willie's place. And then Buffy Summers says, or we could be smart. <laughs> and she's like, sorry, Xander. And he's like, what? <laughs> so Buffy says, whoever did this had blood on them, which means they left a trail, which means we have a way to track it. Dawn knows what she's talking about. And Xander just says, what? How? What's going on? <laughs> so I liked how the scene ended. But yeah, just, just, just saying Dawn was so like she found Narl, like she did it, you know, and she backed it up. So let's cut to nighttime for real now. All right. They had to wait till night for Spike to come out and they're, they leashed him into the woods and he, he's talking to himself as he follows the blood trail. And Xander is saying we should put a leash on him. And Buffy's like, yes, let's tie ourselves to the crazy vampire. <laughs> And Xander asks if there's really, if if it's really going to work. And Buffy says, it's pretty easy. Spike follows the exciting smell of blood and we follow the fairly ripe smell of Spike. <laughs> I'm sorry. Buffy, that's so funny. Buffy and Dawn <laughs> and Anya are off the chain in this episode. Everyone's what the unhinged. fuck is Xander on? <laughs> Because he's so off his game, right? He's like, I don't think it's this monster. Is it really going to work? And then later on in the scene, right? He's like, oh, you know, ha ha, Spike didn't find anything. And then Spike shows them that he did. And it's like, like right. Xander, did you get like less intelligent over the last couple of weeks? Xander's only job here is to own the construction site that they were had to go to, not call the police, and be on Willow's side for defense. Oh, you, know, you know what I mean? He, like, that's his only job. He's on, he's on track to be CEO at this point. He's failing oh, upwards. Absolutely. They're like, you didn't put a fence around that safety site? No big deal. <laughs> we'll just promote you so it doesn't happen again. Want to be regional VP? 
Um, I think you'd be really good at it. Um, no, there's. I, I know we keep saying it, but like the you, fucking. You say girl. that like you've had you've overheard that exact conversation. <laughs> I mean, when you work in a trailer, the walls are thin. <laughs> That's how it happens. Uh, so yeah, we've already said it, but I'm saying it again. The girls are fucking hilarious, and Buffy's killing it. That was like line after line after line in a span of one minute, and she hasn't been this funny since Smashed. Remember how funny she was in that episode? <laughs> because she's just been so depressed since then. So anyway, Dawn then says, it's smellimentary. <laughs> God, I just can't with banger after banger, you guys. So- <laughs> like... Funny. It's not fair how good this episode is with how icky it is. Amongst the ick, this is the funniest episode we've had in a very long time. It's so good. It's smellimentary. Can you please can you please make that a catchphrase so that Rosie starts saying that? Oh, I will. Oh, I will. Also, we didn't say if we had alternative names for this episode. Um, mine would be Return of the Prodigal. Oh, I love it. Mine is skin tuition. <laughs> Ooh. A pun. A little punny there because Dawn, like, I mean, I'm following prima donna here. She's the one that started it with smellimentary, which is mm-hmm. the greatest delivery of a line I've heard in a very long time. So they look at Dawn and she says, also, I'm sure there's tons of stuff like this. Procedures we could use that don't involve magic spells, just good, solid detective work. And we can develop a database of tooth impressions and demon skin samples, and I could wear high heels more often. And Buffy's like, oh, that was so close to being empowered. (laughs) The joke she's making is that smart women shouldn't need to wear high heels, right? High heels is about sex appeal. It's a little bit misogynistic in the sense of like, you know, empowered women should be able to wear whatever they want but yeah it's it's you know it's the whole idea of like brainy women still have to wear heels to be taken seriously in the workplace that kind of thing Uh, okay okay see i thought why i found it funny was because buffy wears he when she was dawn's age was wearing heels to go slaying oh for sure (laughs) yes absolutely um i love how dawn's next line is everybody loves a slender ankle (laughs) like okay okay don like clearly don is growing up and she's definitely thinking about you know things also mm. don's reminding me of a certain somebody from angel that i won't name because we're not there uh, no spoilers but it's just so cute you know it's cute and sciencey and i'm like oh don love the girls in this episode just love these two spike stops walking he says end of the line buffy says it's a rock cliff <laughs> and xander says give him a break buffy maybe it's a vicious skin-eating rock cliff spike says there's a cave in it look so he reveals the cave door and he says i'm insane what's his excuse and then he leaves <laughs> i love that i will say i love that for spike <laughs> yes point to spike like yes, everybody cool. is owning xander in this episode every single person who talks to xander is wiping the floor with him like he is getting destroyed (laughs) like he's like it's not even fair how they're eviscerating this man in this episode xander slander gone too far (laughs) like this episode is better than any episode we watched in season six i said it there I said it. Like this is like it's this is so good. I'm enjoying this so much. Even better than once more with feeling. Yes. Ooh, <laughs> In ooh. once more with feeling, Xander gets away with murder. <laughs> In this one, 
everyone everyone murders Xander, and I fucking love it. Oh dear. Uh, at the same time that the Scoobies are reaching the cave, Willow's also reaching the cave. Once again, she was traveling at the same pace as the three Scoobies with the Bloodhound. <laughs> so she has to crawl into the cave. Uh, there's fires inside, so Narl has fire. Very good. Willow starts looking around and she hears a skittering sound. And then Narl says, All alone. Oh my god, that was so good. <laughs> Ooh, I, got, I got creeps, I got heebie jeebies. <laughs> no, don't. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Don, Xander, and Buffy are also entering the cave. Xander says, Dark and dank. I was hoping it would be dark and dank. I really want to point out that I love the word dank. <laughs> it's just really fun to say. You like those dank memes on Instagram? Yeah, I do. I really do. So, Xander, you've been doing this for like six years, right? Very first episode, you followed Buffy down into the sewers. It's been dark and dank since day one. You should not be surprised. Also, like, I don't know, two seasons ago, remember? Like, was, wasn't he the one that was like, why is Toth in the dump? <laughs> Like, this guy's always wondering why these demons go these places. Because there's nowhere else to go, Xander. Xander's contributions in this episode are zero to negative. Like, (laughs) he's not adding anything to this conversation. I'm genuinely surprised that he's not the one that gets paralyzed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm genuinely surprised. You're so right. Yeah. Um, So Buffy hears the same skittering noise that Willow heard, or, or is hearing at the same time, I should say, and says, you hear that? Xander says, no, I don't, because he's absolutely useless. And then he says, but now I do. Don says, something's moving in here. And Buffy says, I guess we're in the right place. Meanwhile, Willow is walking. And Narl says, look at the shorn lamb. See how it trembles? Is it the cold wind? (laughs) And there's a shadow behind her. And this is not the first time that they've used the shadow to because uh, Narl has a very memorable physiognomy and uh, we see that in the shadow. We hear Narl say, Or is it that the flock is nowhere to be seen? Poor little lamb, all alone. Steph is making a face right now. <laughs> I'm not, I don't like that. Amino <laughs> <laughs> likey. Don says, you guys could hear that, right? And Xander says, yep. And Buffy says, it's echoing. I know it sounds close, but... And just as she says that, yeah. Narl, who's very fast, runs out, slashes Don, runs away. Buffy's like, are you okay? And Don says, I guess so. But she's cut across her stomach. She's already starting to like have trouble speaking or moving. She says, poison paralyzes and then falls into Buffy's arms and Buffy says we need to get her out of here we'll deal with him later seal him in so Willow turns around and sees that there's a boulder being moved in front of the opening and she runs to it she's screaming no stop and Harl laughs evilly and he says no way out now no way out and Willow starts to cast a spell um, and Narl says Narl loves spells he keeps them as pets. They love him and they leave him alone. And Willow says, you may be immune to magic, but I got more than that. You want to fight? And Narl says, your friends left you here. No one comes to save you. They wanted me. 
to have you. <laughs> okay. So, Gnarl is immune to magic. Why didn't Gnarl go fight Evil Willow last season? <laughs> like, he would have been the perfect weapon. Very good point. <laughs> uh, I mean... I think what Willow's implying with her last line there was maybe like a spell can't stop Gnarl from hurting her, but she can use magic to like throw physical objects at him and stuff, right? So it's yeah. not that magic can't stop him. It's just uh, the writers needed a really quick excuse for why she can't, you know, she's so badass. Why can't she just go scary veiny Willow and whomp him? I think Willow's also trying to prove a point to herself. Um, one out of fear, but also similar to what she did in Gone, right? Where she's like, I can solve this without magic because she's trying her best to contain the magic. So I think she's scared of using magic to the level that she has before because she's afraid she can't control it. And also, again, like doing the detective work, she obviously walked to the cave from Anya's house. Something about her wanting to prove that she doesn't need it as much as she thinks she does because otherwise i was like just interesting i was like just blast like the the rock that they pushed in front of the door like just just blow that away and get out right but she doesn't or teleport or turn into smoke like no you're you're absolutely right right. yeah I, i think that's a really salient point you brought up which is there must be a deep internal conflict inside willow right now where like you said she could probably call on more powerful magics, right? Like right now she's just doing magic with a C. She hasn't really touched on Where's her magic with a K. Where's yeah, the K? Yeah, she's left out the K. And she could probably put that K back on if she needed to. But Ooh. there's probably this internal dialogue happening, which we're not privy to. We're not seeing it happen, but it's there, which is she's thinking like, I'm in a life or death situation, but I, I know that what's best for me is not succumbing to that temptation to you know put the k back in my magic and yeah like like it's so interesting and again more respect to the show for not just making that so blatantly obvious you Mm -hmm. know we we are doing some work here unpacking this and and i like that i don't mind doing a little bit of work yeah i love it i think that's it's subtle and nice and i will also add that just just in terms of that inner battle you're talking about within Willow, also her confidence level, because again, I want to point out that something that she's probably very aware of is that the demons in this town can see her and talk to her, but her friends cannot. And I think that is also playing on her mind here. So of course, Narl can see her as well and that she can talk to him. Again, she's fallen from grace. She, she is more on the level with the bad guys and the villains and the anti-villains than she has been with the good guys. And I think that is also playing on her mind right now. She's like, I don't want to use the dark magic. I want to be good. I want to be like Buffy and just use my fists. (laughs) So... Buffy Xander are helping Dawn through the forest. She's very paralyzed now, but she can still kind of like shift her feet and she can talk, but it's very like muffled, right? So she's like, Buffy, we're really sorry. And Buffy's like, it's okay. <laughs> I love how chill. Whoops, among us has not been paralyzed by a demon. Buffy, it's like, this is your first trip out. Like it happens. She's also like, I'm surprised it wasn't Xander. Uh, but I just love how ch- she's like, oh, it's okay. okay but you have to remember, Buffy had to deal with Wesley on <laughs> on missions, right? Like Dawn is already 16.85 times better than Wesley. Oh, for sure. This is nothing. This is a minor inconvenience. Yeah, oh, for sure. Buffy's like, if anything, we had to backtrack anyway.
anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, Xander's like, um, y- yeah, like you couldn't help it. It, ha- it had paralyzing fingernails. And Buffy's like, just like you said it would. So good on you. <laughs> yeah, so imagine this is confirmation that Don is ready for research. You remember right. two seasons ago when they were concerned about Don doing research? Well, they, when she was a 14-year-old and they treated her like she was 10 years old. I remember. So... Narl is saying to Willow, did they leave you as a gifty for me? Are you a tasty little gifty? And I lolled at that. I laughed because that is starting to sound a lot like me when I'm talking to baby Rosalind. <laughs> you want to like eat her up? Yeah, you want to eat her up also. You're like, oh, did you have a little poopy? Oh, did you do that for me? Like I'm alone with the baby all day, Kara. All right. I talk weird shit to the baby. <laughs> I think all the mothers would know what I'm talking about. I, I'm alone without a baby and I talk weird <laughs> shit to myself. Like, am I telling Rosalind there's no way out when she's in, when she's, uh, when she's with me? There no. isn't. She's but trapped isn't. into that romper. If anything, Narl's onto something here because he's, he's very sing-songy. He's very rhymes. I bet she would respond a lot better to me if I started using his turn of phrases here. Um, like, did they just throw you away? <laughs> um, Willow says, were they here? Were my friends really here? I heard something. And Narl like like he's so quick he slashes willow across her stomach uh we see his long nosed shadow on the cave wall behind her clearly he's right in front of her as willow falls to the to the ground and leans against the wall he says they were here here they were and there they went gone all gone what a pretty song they sealed you in with me He grabs her leg and slowly pulls her toward him because she's paralyzed now. He says, I love a gifty. Can't wait to unwrap it. And then he leans over here, over her. We see him now. He's all disgusting with his long fingernails and his scaly little body. And he starts to cut Willow's stomach. And then, Kara, he starts slurping. (laughs) It's deeply unsettling. Like, I don't look think at my we notes. Need to... Look at yes, again. It looks I like a cat it. once again walked across my keyboard because I cannot with how I can't like, disgusting that is. Yeah, yeah. I want to get to the next scene before I say anything more about that. So, question: Yeah, is Narl an individual, or are there many Narls? Right? Narls? Is he part of a species of of Narl? Like, because why haven't we run into him before? Has he always been around the Hellmouth around Sunnydale, and we just? have been ignoring all the other flayed bodies or did he just move in here? Like, where's he from? Why is he here? Is he looking for work? Or is this just the gnarl of this area and there's <laughs> other gnarls in other part of the world? Like, I, I need more gnarl lore, please. This is the California chapter of the gnarls. <laughs> uh, no, there's not the gnarl. It's gnarl. So this is <laughs> the California chapter. There are many chapters around the world. Uh, yeah, this is his area. So did he live in Sunnydale this whole time? Probably not. He probably just moved into the area because he heard there's a sweet construction site happening. <laughs> it's like, dude, there's a construction site. There's no walls. No there's no fences. <laughs> and the nothing. guy who supervises it doesn't call the cops when you it's kill somebody in it. Begging the youths to come break in. And that's where I'm going to be. Smart, Narl. Very smart. Yeah, I I think that he just came in, like all these demons, right? They just pop up here and there. Some of them come there to look for something. Some of them are there to party. Maybe it's the new high school, right? There's a new Hellmouth High School. Let's all all come. Xander and Buffy carry Dawn into the house, and she's saying, watch my head. (laughs) They put her on the sofa. 
face down at first. The physical <laughs> comedy in this episode. Yeah, it's mm. so good. It's so Chef's good. Guess. It's so uh, good. Buffy goes to check the computer, see if there's an antidote to the gnarl, sorry, to gnarl poison. Xander's trying to comfort Don. And he says, oh, you'll be doing limbo in no time. And she says, yeah, I have a pole. <laughs> and Buffy says, I got it. It says the paralysis is permanent. No, wait, my bad. Permanent <laughs> until the creature dies. Sorry. I guess we have to go back. And I, I guess this answers my question of are there more, are, are there multiple gnarls? Because in order for somebody to know that the paralysis wears off, if gnarl dies, they must have killed gnarl before. So clearly yeah. gnarl is part of a species of gnarl. So is he a Pokemon? Because he says his own name. <laughs> uh, the, the worst Pokemon. I, like that's not a Pokemon that I would want to catch. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, I caught a gnarl. <laughs> Fucking kill it with fire. <laughs> Worst Pokemon ever. Yeah. All these cute little Pokemons, like, you know, you're fighting somebody, they're like Snorlax, and you're just like, gnarl! Everybody's like, God, no. <laughs> House rules, you can't play a gnarl. Oh my God. Gnarls are banned from Pokemon tournaments. <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, sorry, that, that thought just occurred to me, and I'm like, well, he says his own name. That's what yeah, Pokemon if, if he was a Pokemon, is he in the evolved stage, or is he like? Yeah, like, what would this it be? is the, this is the Nara lore I don't want. So again, <laughs> don't nobody email us, us about this episode. <laughs> if I get one hot steak about this episode, I'm gonna lose my mind. Bad. Bad. Bad from Rocky Girls. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. <clears throat> So Buffy says, sorry, I guess we have to go back. Were you not going to go back, Buffy? Like, <laughs> She's, she looks really annoyed by that, too. She's like, ugh, like, I was just going to leave it, whatever. <laughs> She's been doing this for six years. She can phone it in once in a while. Uh, Xander says, well, we can't leave her like this. What if she vomits? And Don's <laughs> eyes go really wide. And Buffy says, hilarious. do you think she'll vomit? And Don's like, Rrr. and Xander, Xander's like nodding at Buffy. Why? Don, Why Don says, stop talking about vomit. <laughs> and Buffy says, I'll call Anya and gets up and she goes to the phone uh, and she says, Anya can watch her. And Xander says, oh, she'll love being called for vomit watch. <laughs> Which like Buffy wants to, you know, just like Willow, it's like, okay, my, my thought when I was watching this scene was, you really need to make more friends. Like, <laughs> if your go-to at this stage is your friend's ex-fiance who is now once again a vengeance demon and you had a close run-in with her the other night like why is she the next most reliable person that you can call where's clem where's clem at? yes thank you clem sophie from the double meet like oh true principal wood <laughs> i need a babysitter <laughs> Like, I'm saying this from the depths of my heart as an introvert to mm -hmm. all you other listeners out there who are introverts. This is why we make friends, right? It's, it's not because we're getting energy from hanging out in big groups of people, but it's because you need somebody around when your sister is paralyzed and you need somebody on Vomit Watch. That's it. Make friends for Vomit Watch. That's what I hear. Write that down. That's that's my watchword. That's how, <laughs> what I go. What I stand for. <laughs> oh, we're back in the cave. <laughs> Gnarl is cutting into 
Willow's stomach and saying, Naro makes a pretty picture. It's easy when you know how. It's easy when everyone helps. Mm-hmm. And the sound, car, the sound, the sound, you can hear the sound of it. The ripping. slurping sound? The slurping, the, the, the ripping. Uh, I'm going to puke. He licks his fingers. Oh my God. I'm literally cringing so hard right now um he says they helped me too oh too bad there's no one to help you and willow is watching this all with a horrified face my my question cara is can she feel it or is the paralysis like just it does it prevent her from just from moving or can she actually feel what's happening that is a fantastic question right because yeah, you could have your muscles can be paralyzed, but you can still feel through the nerve endings on the skin. Or if the venom numbs the nerve endings, then, you know, if, it, if it's acting like an, a local anesthetic as well, I don't know. That's a really good point. For her sake, I hope she can't feel it. Like seeing it, hearing it and knowing it's happening to you is, is bad enough. And I know Willow did wrong, you guys. I know, but I do not. We we sentenced her to rat prison, not whatever the fuck this is. This is this is like when when Angel went to demon hell. Like th- like this, it's probably I mean, wasn't as bad as this. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know. Please please finish the scene. <laughs> so I can't look at look at my writing in this scene, Car. Gnarl literally pulls off a strip a strip of skin and he eats it. And then he starts drinking from the hole. It's the worst scene in this whole series. I, um, I've never, I've never, ever felt this grossed out before in my life. This is like, so bad. <laughs> so I feel like season seven is unlocking something inside of me because this is the third time in three episodes that I can say we have unlocked a core memory. <laughs> And it's Which gnarled. is unfortunately this scene, because I, like I said, once I started watching this episode, the moment I saw Willow's outfit, I'm like, oh no, it's this episode. Because I have a vivid memory of Willow lying on the ground and having, you know, the bottom part of her shirt unbuttoned uh, and, and her midriff exposed like this with, you know, the, the slice marks and whatever. And I obviously remember Gnarl, very, you know, distinctive costume. And that that's it. Like, that's that was my memory seared into poor, you know, grade eight Kara as she's watching this episode. And, uh, oh. oh, like, it's... Oh. Listen, listen, we've seen torture on this show. We've seen blood play. We've seen a lot of dark yeah, but like, shit. Even when, but... yeah, when they, like when Drusilla was torturing Angel or Giles, uh, when, sorry, when Angelus was torturing Giles, like it was bloody and yeah, it was weird and a little bit gross, but like nobody was eating strips of flesh. There's like a level here that they've, dropped to that is gross out it's gr- like the way he eats the skin oh he like puts his head mm. back he's like num, 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 num. <gasps> like we we are laughing a lot in this episode because it's a funny episode and we are you know we are i i hope that our listeners are entertained by how grossed out we sound right now but also like in total seriousness i think this episode went too far 
I actually don't know how they got this past the network sensors. It's so fucking gross. It's so uh, like, you know, how do I say it? Like it it's a violation. <laughs> For me, it's up there with seeing red. It's just it's yes, the same level of unnecessary anger and outrage and just and just like what the fuck am i watching i can't unsee this it's so gross it's so gross the sounds oh why and and the fact that it's happening to willow is double the horrifyingness of it because willow's our sweet well i mean not lately but she's she's our our sweet willow we've known her since she was 16 years old so my question to you now cara is do you think that they put this terrible, terrible, terrible torture in this so that we feel sympathy for Willow. Is this the way that they constructed sympathy for her? If the writers think that we need Willow to be tortured this grossly for us to feel sympathy for her, then the writers must have a very low opinion of us. (laughs) But like, that's, I can only justify it, them going this far by saying that they're just really trying to make us feel bad for Willow. My response, Steph, is rat prison. Rat (laughs) prison for the writers, not rat rehab. I think we have to bring back old school rat prison. Wow, that's really bold of you to say, Kara, because you've been more or less against rat prison. (laughs) Oh, you only rebranded because you and your your goody (laughs) two-shoes. Woke way of looking at rat prison. You're right, but everybody has their breaking point where they're willing to sell out, and we have found mine. This is okay, and I also want to say because you you said earlier you and I are laughing a lot through this episode. It's actually making this episode a lot longer than our than we've been going lately uh, for episode length. But um, my theory about that is they upped the humor in this episode to try to counteract the gross and horror aspect of it. Yeah, because I was about to apologize to our listeners that we're so hilarious in this episode because I hope you're all having a good time. But at the same time, it's like if you ever want to go back and re-listen to how funny we are in this episode, you're also going to have to hear these parts. <laughs> but that's what I think. Because notice like right after this, we jump back to a hilarious scene I know. at no, Bunny's house. And it I jumps between correct. the two. So I think yeah. they really did their best to be like, if we're going to be the gross grossest we've ever been we're gonna be the funniest we've ever been at the same time you know and like it's like they took buffy season one the theory of being like high school is hell like we're gonna balance the humor of the show with the horror and they just jacked it to to like a level none of us asked for (laughs) we were quite happy with the level it was at before (laughs) no i think you're correct good point so anya's at the house uh she has arrived what time is it? We don't know. Was it two minutes? Was it 10, 10 minutes? She can't teleport, so she had to get over there somehow. I'm embarrassed because I praised the episode at the beginning for like telling us the time. And then it's like, no, no, we're right the next day. We're just like, what time is it? <laughs> it was off to a good start. You were right to point it out, though. It was very unusual. I'm fairly certain it's Friday now, though. Like, I think this is Friday night. You have no basis for that. Um, so Anya's asking how is Don paralyzed there's lots of different ways did you try this and she lifts Don's legs uh, up because Don's lying on the couch so now Don's like her legs are at a right angle pointing straight up and Xander's like hey you're posable and shout out to Michelle Trachtenberg for you know really going along with this bit and really selling it 
Uh, Buffy says she's posable, and she comes over to watch. Buffy's, she's like, she's posable? <laughs> and Anya says, it's a common variety. Watch this. So she sits Dawn straight up. Uh, Dawn's legs are still sticking straight out. And Anya says, neat as you please. Hardly need to undo her. And Buffy's munching on snacks that Anya brought over and asks where she got them. And Anya, uh, they're Brazil nuts. And Anya says, Brazil. No need to thank me, by the way, uh, for sitting with her. I'm feeling very benevolent today. Helping Willow, helping you. Might even call it even about the whole worm thing. Oh, so I see what Anya's doing here. Mm -hmm. And Buffy says, I don't think we can call it. Wait, you saw Willow? And Anya says, mm-hmm. She's looking for you, by the way. Decided you might be out at some cave? Sounded pretty tenuous. Buffy says, did Willow go to that cave? And Anya says, last time I saw her, that's where she was heading. Should I make her salute? She's referring to Don. That'd be very cute. <laughs> Buffy says, Willow could be trapped with the gnarl. And Anya says, it's not the gnarl. It's just gnarl. So <laughs> Anya and gnarl have history. Yeah. Do you think they had a flay-off? Do you think... They had they had to compete to flay with special guest judge Bobby Flay. Ooh, I love that. I I my theory is that Anya turned one of her um, clients' exes oh, no. into a gnarl. Oh God, I don't want to think about this anymore. <laughs> uh, Anya goes on to say, "Wouldn't it be tragic if you were here being kind of silly with your comically paralyzed sister while Willow is dying?" Thank you, Anya. Anya again. You made that point like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. Buffy says, Anya, you know about this creature? You're coming with us. And she she hands Anya an axe. <laughs> so once again, who's going to watch Dawn so she doesn't vomit? I don't know. Anya pats <laughs> Dawn on the head. She's posed a Dawn. So she's kind of like doing like a, like two fingers up, you know, semi-salute kind of sign. Yeah. Uh, or peace sign or whatever. Um, so they go to leave and then we see uh, Buffy quickly come back into the shot and put a tv remote in in uh don's upraised hand and i'm thinking like can she press the buttons no. like, <laughs> like the fact that she didn't even turn the tv on just i know <laughs> i'm fucking dying it's Bu that Buffy. was a, that was giles level not giving a shit about don <laughs> in that moment Buffy, i i i can't with how funny she is in this episode okay Oh, the cave. Willow is whispering. She's like, they wouldn't leave, they'll return. And Nara laughs at her and says, they don't want you. Locked you in, nice white skin. And if they do return, where will they find you? Inside me, you'll already be. Ooh. And then, ooh, Kara. Kara. He moves a skin flap over so that he can... I can't it's even really say. It's really bad. Look at, look at, look at, look at. The way that I typed all my <laughs> went into the following scene. I must have pressed like like tab by accident. <laughs> it's like over. You should take a screenshot and show this on social. <laughs> I'm taking a picture of that right now. <laughs> uh. Okay, so uh, okay, so anyway, that's fucking disgusting. Okay, anything with like the licking and the slurp, <laughs> I'm actually. Boy, I, like I get chill. I, like I got goosebumps. I'm so grossed out. I believe you because I felt the same way watching the episode. Like I literally am in that cave with Willow right now, just horrified. 
Xander and Buffy and Anya are running to the caves. <laughs> Xander says, Anya needs to keep up. <laughs> is yelling at Anya to keep up. And Anya says, she's out of shape because she's been teleporting for months. And I was like, okay, Xander, like you're the, the height of, of <laughs> running form <laughs> right now. Come on. But I'm sure they just ran like literally five miles. Like it's tiring. So Willow is whispering, no, as Buffy enters the cave. Thank God. Gnarl jumps towards her and Buffy cuts it across the stomach. It like disappears somewhere. Buffy asks where Willow is. Anya says she's right here, but she can't see. You can't see her, but she's hurt. And Xander runs over, feels around. She's like, there's nothing here. Anya's like, your hand's going right through her. What's going on? Buffy says, I'm starting to get why we haven't seen her. Xander says, because we haven't seen her. Yeah, no fucking does, Xander. <laughs> Sorry, Xander. You, I don't even have beef with you this episode. Like, you're whatever. My beef is with Snarl. <laughs> Buffy says, I have a feeling that whatever ca whatever's causing this invisible thing is a whole separate issue from the skin-eating monster. And Anya's like, behind you! So Gnarl attacks Buffy and scratches her shirt, but thank God he misses her skin. Buffy starts to fight with it using the sword. Anya's like, hit him in the eyes! <laughs> so she's kneeling next to Willow and she's like, I'm here. You're really hurt. Buffy's fighting the demon over there, but if they get too close, I'm going to have to run away. And Willow's like, I can't see them. And Anya assures her that Buffy and Xander are there. Willow's like, someone came. They didn't leave me. And Anya says, they didn't leave you. They can't see you. And Willow says, they're here. They're here. I'm not alone. And Anya's like, good. And then she's looking at Willow's injuries and she's just like, you're, you're doing really good. The deadpan delivery from Emma Caulfield is amazing. Again, I don't want to rag on Willow right here. She's been through enough this episode, in my opinion. She's been enough through her life. I forgive her. I forgive her for everything that happened because of this. <laughs> uh, the way that she keeps saying, they're here, they're here. Um, not happy that Anya's actually here. The one that's actually here comforting her. You know, not like nope. you're here. Nope. You're all here. <laughs> Like, gee, oh, Anya, thanks for comforting me as I lie here dying. Oh, if you could just back up, you dumb bitch. Like, can I see Xander now? Like, that's what basically the, the vibe I'm this getting. This is also the second time in less than a year that Anya has had to comfort somebody who who's lying dying next to her. God, Anya is doing all the emotional labor of this group. <laughs> So she's doing all the babysitting, that's for sure. So Gnarl's laughing as Buffy's jabbing at him with the sword. He jumps over top of her, and I'll add, Kara, it was not a flip-de-doo. He didn't flip. He no, just jumped. Why is he so good at fighting? Like, why is this guy so hard to beat? This is Gnarl, Kara, all right? This is Gnarl. I don't have to explain like, it any further. Somebody needs to do a, a ranking or a continuum of the threat levels of the different demons. Because, like, on one end, you got Toth, who's just fucking useless. And then on the other end, you got Gnarl, who's apparently invincible. <laughs> Gnarl's up there with Moloch. Praise Moloch. He's up there with uh, Der Kinderstad. He's up there with uh, the gentleman, right? He's like of another level. So Buffy stabs him in the foot <laughs> with the sword. Um, and while he's stuck in place, she uses her thumbs to crush his eyeballs in and effectively kill him. And Xander's like, ew. Ew, thumbs? I can't believe you did that. And um, believe it, Xander. No comment. No further comment on my end. Cara, Car do you know what I mean, though? Oh. <laughs> Car ah. <laughs> so Anya tells Willow that Buffy killed the demon. It was gross. The paralysis lifts. Willow says, I can move. Oh, because I guess that's what I mean. I think now she can feel it. I wonder if before she couldn't feel it. I, I want Anya to narrate things in my life. Yeah. You know, like Kara made a cup of tea and then just abandoned it. How could she? 
And they call me a monster. <laughs> that would be really nice. Very ASMR to me. Uh, Dawn, this is another, the last little bit of physical comedy here. Dawn comes out of her paralysis and just falls off the couch. <laughs> so uh, Buffy and Xander are asking if Willow's there, if she's alive. And Anya's like, she's right here. Stand back. You're getting your feet in her. She's hurt pretty bad. I'm going to go get some help. So she leaves. Buffy says, Willow, we can't exactly see you, but we're really glad that you're back. I don't know how badly you're hurt. But suddenly there's like magic lights and Willow appears in front of them. And she's saying, I couldn't find you guys. And I looked everywhere and the demon said that you left me. And, oh, there you are. There you are. Don't go away. So she can see them now. And um, Xander says, we're not going away. But then he sees her injuries and he's like, oh, God. And Buffy says, it's going to be okay, Will. You're going to be okay. And Willow says, I know. You're here. <sighs> All right. So the last scene of the episode is at the summer's home the next morning i'm assuming could be a couple days later i don't know buffy is at willow's is at the door uh willow has now occupied buffy's room right so buffy presumably has moved into joyce's room that used to be willow and tara's room and fucking right yeah <laughs> about time i know i know that willow and tara kept that room because they were a couple and it was a bigger bed and whatever like i get it but it's you know I'm still upset about them not paying rent and freeloading off Buffy for all of season six. Can I be really poignant for a second? <laughs> uh, Why are you not? It's well, it's hard to be that when I like burst out laughing right after I say it. But I think that has a lot less to do with what shitty friends <laughs> Willow and Tara were last year and a lot to do with Buffy's headspace. I don't think Buffy was ready to take over the, the mother of the house room. That's a good point. The, the head of the house room. Yes. There's symbolism here. Yeah. Yes. Buffy's back in charge. Willow's, you know, still freeloading. <laughs> well, yes. Um, but I think Buffy is, was now ready to take that position. She accepted that her mother was gone. She even got a little goodbye with her, right? In normal again. So we never get to hear like, how is Willow justifying like going to England and then coming back? And now she's still living with Buffy to her parents, right? Like, do her parents even know that she's gay? Uh, no, probably not. Like I don't like like they're just orphans these kids. You know? I think like, it's so interesting that back when she was a minor in high school, they would at least give us you know a little shout out to the Rosenbergs, right? And it was always like, oh, my parents this, my parents that, um, and then suddenly now that you know Willow is in college and like like she has more independence, but her family is not dead, like. Buffy's mom is so it's just it's so interesting to me that the show um is just like we're not even going to pretend we give a shit about these people's parents anymore <laughs> I know they're like this is not a concern of ours I think like in reality if I were to guess what Willow's telling her parents I think she told them a long time ago that she went to Oxford that she went to a different country school <laughs> she's not they don't even know that she's in Sunnydale yeah, maybe like, they literally. aren't in Sunnydale right maybe they transferred to a different university or something right like I honestly think that or I think that maybe they're on abroad somewhere right like what do they know Ooh, they're on like a research sabbatical Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're living wherever hank summers is living <laughs> or they got um they got sponsored by the uh the initiative the task force that riley and sam are on and they're off in belarus or wherever they went off to uh oh. to do missions so anyway whatever We're, this is a great scene let's let's get to it um willow's on the bed her eyes are closed it looks like she's meditating and buffy goes to leave her but willow says buffy 
And Buffy's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. And Willow's like, I'm healing, growing new skin. So Buffy says, that's magic, right? I mean, when people meditate, they don't get extra skin, right? Because Clem should cut back. (laughs) Oh my God, Buffy is killing it. So Buffy sits with Willow on the bed. Willow says, I'm drawing power from the earth to heal myself. Buffy's like, we're on the second floor. I can't. Um, Willow says, Giles says, everything's part of the earth, this bed, the air, us. And this is perfect. Buffy says, that explains why my fingernails get dirty, even when I don't do anything. So true, bestie. (laughs) Buffy never fucking change. What I love about that exchange right there is that even when Giles isn't there, Buffy is sassing what he says. Oh my god, you're so right. Through other people. (laughs) But because Giles is connected through the earth, he heard and felt that back in Westbury, England. (laughs) He's on his horse and he looks up and he's like, somebody's sassing me. (laughs) He's like, "Mm, I felt that one. (laughs) The annoyance in me just built. Oh my God. So Willow says, plus you stuck your thumbs in a demon. And Buffy's like, true. Willow leans back. We see that the wounds on her um, stomach are wrapped, right? They're bleeding out still, but they're wrapped up, which makes me think it, it maybe it's not the next morning is probably, unless they didn't bring her to the hospital, right? They might've just wrapped it at home. What do you think, Steph? <laughs> I think they called the police to finally call in that murder right after this scene. <laughs> they still they went to the it. hospital and the ER doctor was like, are you on drugs? Are you been doing drugs? <laughs> and then the chatty doctor was telling them all about everything that they missed. Well, he had to update his Twitter as they entered the building. He's like, oh, great. Here we go. That other doctor that fired Ben is like, have we got a new set of interns? There's so many doctors that we need to catch up with. So, so, <laughs> okay, we're unhinged too. This, this episode broke us. Will, Puppy says, you're wiped out. I should go. Willow says, no, please stay. I missed you so much when I couldn't find you. Buffy says, I missed you too. I missed you. Oh, so sweet. Don's working on what could have caused the mutual noceums. But so far, and Will's like, I did it. I didn't mean to. I just remember thinking it wasn't. I wasn't ready to see you guys yet, and I was afraid we wouldn't connect. And Buffy says, "So you made it happen just by thinking it." And Will's like, "I guess I have a ways to go before I master my powers, huh?" And Buffy says, "It's okay as long as you're all right." <laughs> Buffy, you are benevolent as fuck. Willow says, it's nice to be forgiven. Too bad I need so much of it. Buffy says, I have a confession to make. I thought it might have been you with the flaying. And Willow says, I know. Buffy says, I wanted to be the kind of person that wouldn't think that. Xander never thought it. And Willow says, he did a little. Heck, I did a little. Xander has the luxury of not saying it. But you're the slayer. You have to say stuff like that. It's okay. And it's okay, too, if you don't think I can recover from the magic stuff. Honestly, I'm not that sure about it either. And Willow sits back and she starts to meditate again. Buffy says, I thought you were too tired. Willow says, it hurts too much not to try. Buffy says, I'm sorry. Willow says, it just takes so much strength and I don't have that much. Buffy crosses her legs in front of her and says, well, I got so much strength, I'm giving it away. So she takes Willow's hands. Willow says, are you sure? Buffy says, will it help? Willow says, much. Buffy says, good. And they both close their eyes and they heal together. I started crying. 
Like, legit, I was wow. crying at this point. The perfect ending of Buffy does exist, and for some reason, it's in this episode. Oh. <laughs> like that's what's, what's so wild, is this episode is simultaneously the best and worst episode of the show. When I say it's better than Once More With Feeling, I mean it that, like, Once More With Feeling, Hush, The Body, these are episodes that, like, stand alone. They're, they're, they're sure. of their own special caliber, right? This is a Buffy episode that just happens to be so good. Yeah, it, it's a Monster of the Week episode the that week, escapes exactly. its Monster of the Weakness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you said, once more with feeling or hush, those are constructed episodes. They are artificial. The writers set out. And I really like how we say the writers these days instead of Joss Whedon. I love that. <laughs> Let's just erase him from his show. Yeah. Um, the writers <laughs> set out and said, we're going to do an episode like this. Whereas with this episode, it was like, okay, we're going to do a Monster of the Week episode. There's going to be parallels to Willow coming back and redemption and whatever. Like, they obviously had their thematic goals, but they didn't set out to, you know, make such a, a tightly coiled episode, I think. Like, that's what I think you and I are getting at here, is this is a rich episode. You know, it's like a really satisfying piece of cake. <laughs> and as an ace person, I know my cake. What I love about this scene at the very end of it, and I think I messaged you, I'm like, why are women so awesome? Like, mm-hmm. it, it's the girl powerness of the scene. It's, you know, yes. the fact that Buffy and Willow were at odds and, and has Buffy completely forgiven Willow? I don't know. That's a, that's a conversation for a future episode. But in this moment, right, Buffy had a choice. She could have turned and walked away. Willow was giving her that out. If Buffy didn't feel like engaging more with willow right now she could have just left for her to get on the bed and cross her legs and say no i'm gonna join you in meditating it's so powerful it's so moving the bottomless well the capacity within especially like female friendship you know this way that you can go from i hate your guts to we're besties again it's it's so fascinating to me, you know, it, it's something that I think I've probably always had with my female friends, not realizing that's what it was until I, I had my own kind of epiphany and started my transition and, and embraced that. And it's like, you know, th- there's a power to the intimacy and the closeness between two platonic female friends. And you're seeing that here. There's a connection here. The, these two are besties and we haven't had that for like three seasons mm-hmm. because of what was going on in the past couple of seasons, you know, with Willow and, and her whole journey and her and Buffy kind of not being friends last season, even though they kept saying they were friends. We didn't see it. This is bringing me right back to season one Willow or season two Willow, where she was the one comforting Buffy as Buffy was going through like everything with Angel and stuff like it's it's so powerful um and for anybody who hasn't watched this episode or maybe like you remembered how icky it was and you're like I'm just gonna skip the rewatch go back and just watch the final scene Mm -hmm. because it's it and it's subtle you know there's not a ton of swelling music it's not they're not dressed up all fan like they're in their pjs on a bed and it's just so good it's so good and it's so well earned you know like i yeah you and i got caught up in the ickiness of this episode but 
look at all the things that were said throughout it when it came to the women, right? Dawn said earlier, will anyone around here start asking for help when they need it? Well, Will's not necessarily asking for it here, but the point is Buffy heard what Dawn said because she lists like, again, women listen to women and she's offering help to Willow here. And I think that's really beautiful, especially since the symbolism of Willow connecting only with demons this whole episode and not with the humans. Buffy put an end to that here, right? Like now she's connecting again and Buffy is literally reaching out and strengthening that connection by helping Willow heal and they're healing together. And that is so perfect for me. And I also really want to share that it's such a concept. It's such a strong image the two of them on the bed like this, holding hands and sharing. Because if you notice, Buffy is sharing her power. Like Buffy says, I have strength to share, right? Because she's the slayer. She's the strongest woman in the world. And she wants to share that power with Willow. She did this in lessons to a different degree with Dawn, right? She's teaching Dawn about power, right? It's about power. That's what she said. Mm -hmm. So now we're seeing her do it again here with Willow. And I'm wondering now that we've seen it two episodes out of the three that we've watched this season, could this now be a theme that we're seeing start to play out in the sharing of power, but not just the sharing of power itself, but the sharing of female power and female strength? I agree because, you know, it makes me think about season five and the whole idea that death is her gift, right? Mm -hmm. Season five was all about people forces dracula the first slayer telling buffy that because she's a slayer because there's a a little bit of demon inside of her from her slayer powers she's not fully human and and then we heard that message again in season six from people like spike because she's come back from the dead and he said you came back wrong you're not fully human and there that's why i can you know i i can bite you and obviously tara Uh, debunked that notion but again it was that idea that there's something wrong there's something broken about Buffy and you know yes she's a slayer but it's a dark thing and she has to go it alone and she can never be close to anybody and you know she hasn't had the best luck with romance but look at what's going on now by rejecting this idea that the slayer has to be a lone wolf that she can't have human connection that she can't have friendship and family Buffy is rewriting what it means to be a slayer rewriting what it means to have power and I I think your point about this idea of sharing a female strength is so important because so often when we talk about what we consider to be strong we often think about you know if we look at a leader Um, And we're being stereotypical and we see like a powerful leader as a man, right? We think of a leader, a great leader. You know, there's the so-called great man theory of history. So seldom do we think about great groups of leaders, great councils, right? Um, And even when you have exceptional women in history, often it's because those women conformed to very male-coded ways of being powerful, right? You look at folk heroes like Joan of Arc, you look at Queen Elizabeth I or Queen Victoria, who ruled as if they were kings, basically. So so to see Buffy grappling with that here, right, and, and to see her embracing, you know, the fact that often, and I'm making generalizations here, but often like 
women are much more congressive than they are ingressive. Uh, and you can, you can learn more about those terms from the wonderful mathematician Eugenia Cheng uh, in her book, X plus Y, A Gender Manifesto. You know, this whole idea that like women often, you know, build consensus and, you know, we, we work with each other and that there's nothing unique to women about that, right? Men can do that too. It's just, it's a matter of, you know, patriarchy telling us we need to behave in certain ways because of our genders, but it, it's so powerful in a way the show is going back to its roots stuff. It's about power, but it's, it's also about the power of the feminine you know, and for all of his faults and for all of our criticism of Joss Whedon's creation here, because, you know, Buffy is a deeply flawed series and it's not as feminist as we sometimes want to think it is. Joss Whedon has said his intention was, I want to make a show where the blonde cheerleader saves the world. That's what's going on here. That's what happened in season one. And we're finally coming full circle in season seven. And I think that's beautiful. Another beautiful thing, I could just talk about this scene forever. Um, another beautiful thing about this, along with what you just said, is Buffy being allowed to have a happy moment with her friends. Yes. You know, and like, again, I've said it, Buffy's been more stable this season. She has her shit together, right? And I was mad last week because I was like, how dare Spike come in here and rumble that? You know, how dare he come in here and cause her more pain when she's just getting over pain, you know? And I said earlier this episode, she was worried that she might have to kill her best friend, that she might have to be in another position where she has to make that difficult choice. Well, here, I do think that her sitting with her and helping her heal was one of the easiest choices Buffy ever had to make because Buffy's sick of making the hard choices and an easy choice is to be helpful and to show love and compassion. And that's so Buffy, isn't it? Like, that's just so Buffy Summers. And the mm -hmm. last thing I want to say about this is I want to call back to a conversation that Buffy and Giles had in Grave. Remember at the last episode of season six, Buffy and Giles were talking about Buffy's purpose. They're talking about Buffy's calling. I think what happened was Buffy was saying, why am I back here? And Giles was saying, well, you had a calling. And she said, yeah, but it was my time, Giles, right? Like Buffy had a gift. Her gift was death, as Sinea so so wonderfully put it many times. Death is your gift. <laughs> it's like d death is your gift. <laughs> Remember that? Anyway, um, yeah, so, so Buffy gave her gift, right? So she was saying to Giles, that was my time. Someone else would have been called. Why? Why am I here? And Giles didn't have an answer for her. And then they moved on. And I, and at the time when we covered that episode, I was saying like, what, like, what is this conversation? Like they didn't finish it. And I want to find that connection here because yeah, again, Buffy's gift was death, her life. She gave it. So she was lost last season. Like, what's my purpose? What am I here for? What's my calling? What am I doing now? And I wonder if in the stability that she's found, in this new purpose, in this new happiness she's found of being Dawn's responsible older sister, of finding a balance with slaying, and more importantly, sharing her power, sharing what she knows after six years of fighting on the front lines, sharing that strength of hers and the knowledge and power that she's gained over all these years. Could that just be her new purpose? Is that what we're seeing play out from the beginning of this season and onward. I'm excited to see if that's the case. Absolutely. Who's your hero? I chose all the women Scoobies. <laughs> Sorry. No, you know what? Zant, sure. Xander, whatever. What? You can be in there too. Oh my God. You're, so, <sighs> you're, you're getting soft in your old age. I must be. Because honestly, 
uh, like I don't have to say anything more about Buffy. Buffy is Buffy. She is the one. She is the the chosen one in my life. Anya was great in this episode. Willow went out of her way, even a little selfish, but like I don't know, she went out and did it. Don, great job. I will add, add Xander in there because I did like that he had Willow's back no matter what. I wish he had Buffy's back more often, but like you know what? That's not this com- the, the conversation is not part of this episode. I'll just give it to everybody. Good, great, great job, everybody. You defeated Narl. Fuck Narl. That's it. <laughs> Seth wants everybody to get an award. I'm going to say Anya and Don because they just really went above and beyond in this episode. Great job, everybody. Woo! Woo! <sighs> what an episode. This was a, a long one, and I think we're all a little bit uh, <laughs> overwrought from what we've witnessed. <laughs> I am. So no hot stakes this week. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to a new Scooby. We've had several people join our Buy Me a Coffee. Thank you, everybody. Um, you know, let us know what you want us to call you when we thank you. Let us know your socials so we can shout you out. Uh, thank you so much to Tara for joining us and supporting the podcast. Thanks, Tara. And of course, thanks to all of our chosen ones in particular among our wonderful Buy Me a Coffee supporters. Lauren, Kimmy, Christy, Jasmine, Susanna, Reese, Joshua, Luis, Nicola, Julian, Jordan, Kayla, and Holly. Laura, Rochelle, Amy, Ricky, Tasha, Haley, Jace, Allison, Erica, Destiny, Kyle, and Emma. Thanks, everybody. What an episode. What a life. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to Prophecy Girls. If you want and can afford to donate, head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash prophecygirls for one-time and monthly options. You can also visit prophecygirls.ca slash store to view all of our merch and rep the podcast on a sweatshirt, mug, sticker, or more. We appreciate all of your support, even if it's just spreading the word about us or enjoying our show week by week. We also invite you to join in the discussion by messaging us on our social media channels. Follow us at Prophecy Girls Podcast on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook, and Prophecy underscore Girls on Twitter. You can also email us at prophecygirlspodcast at gmail.com or visit our website, prophecygirls.ca, where you can find the link to our Discord. Praise Moloch. See you next week. 